you know, it's just, uh, it's just a moment that you really don't want to be part of. But, uh, you know, we were part of it last night, but thank God everybody was good and safe. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpet, your host, and with me today is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good, Mark. How about you? Uh, <laughs> a little, little scared these days, brother. You know, uh, I, was, I was glad to see some courageous actions taken by some people last week, but it did give me a little hesitancy. I know that piece we just played at the beginning with Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. That was a surprise for everybody. I don't think anybody ever expected something like that. I'm talking about the shooting that took place at Nationals Park while the Padres were playing the Nationals this past weekend. That seems like just such a, a scary situation to be in because I, I did see the video of it. And I mean, I wouldn't have thought it was gunshots because it doesn't sound like what you think would be. You don't hear like a popping or the the gun sounds you hear in the movie. It, didn't really sound like anything. I wouldn't know what I think it was. And then you wouldn't know if it was, is it outside the stadium? Is it inside? Because in you know, this day and age, there's so many crazy people out there. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be surprising if somebody did have a gun inside the stadium. Now, thank God they didn't. But it's unfortunate and sad that we have to think about something like that. You know, you consider the ugliness that there were that stuff comes from. And we have seen gun violence in schools. You know, what I'm thinking of gatherings of people too. We've seen gun shootings in, in malls or grocery stores. We've seen, it, it, it comes down to wherever you're at, you cannot feel completely safe. The ballpark is one place. It's complete escapism. But they, just like every other business, they being the teams and the, the stadium owners have to have some sort of, you would presume, some sort of plan in place. I mean, we teach the kids in school, there, there's, there's shooter drills of all things. I'm sure they call it something much more effective or reasonable than that. I, I'm not sure what they call it. I, I missed out on those drills, thankfully, but my sister said they had to do them like at least once every semester or quarter, they would do that. And it's like, how sad is that, that you have to practice for an active shooter? And now the school that I went to and that she went to, it looks like a prison now because there are so many fences around it. When I was there, you could just like walk right in. No problem. Now there's like a whole fence, like a prison yard almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got scanners and everything else. I mean, they got scanners in the ball fields when you walk in. But when you have to think of, like you said, your sister's school, uh, a place that, I, I don't know, is, it, it has to become, that's, it has to become a, that part of the atmosphere, the preparations for somebody being crazy and having a gun and doing something stupid with it. So uh, you know, in this case, what, what it was, for those of you who did not see what's happening here, it was at the Nationals Park. They were playing the Padres. It's about six and a half innings into the game. Tingler's walking out to talk to the ups about, uh, hey, here's some changes in the lineup I'm talking about for the next inning here. Okay, all right. Hey, what was that sound? The ump says, I don't know. Neither one of them knew. They they knew something. Something tingled in the back of their head there. Something said, that ain't right. And 
people start reacting. You know, well, they, they, well, what's happening? Where's it going? Something, suddenly the PA system comes up and people are, are being, you know, warned that there's an active shooter outside of the stadium. Swiftly, you see some of these players, they come up and they scoop up family, fans, and start trying to get them to take cover in the dugouts. <laughs> A very limited amount of space there. You see other folks are running to the to the to get out completely, I guess, out of the stadium, uh, and certainly out of the field. And others stopping and ducking. It's it's got to be a very insane moment. And at one point, the PA announcer tells people to stay in the stadium, but at another point, I hear him say, "However, you know, you you can exit through center field exit." And I thought that doesn't sound right but i wasn't there I, and i hope they had a good shooter plan the good news well for such a thing i mean people with inside the stadium i think were all safe one poor lady was out getting an uber and she got shot and a couple other people got shot i don't know the status of everybody there but it's a terrible situation yeah from what i saw they were just injured i didn't see anybody killed thankfully at the time of recording and I want to believe that they would have, you know, given them the all clear to let people go out. You know, the police were out there investigating, so I'm sure they gave them like an all clear to let people out. I mean, I wouldn't want to go out the into into the area where the shooting was, but no. I'm, I'm sure they did a good job of making sure everybody was safe. And, you know, it was nice to see that there still is some good out there with Tatis, Machado, and I believe it was Myers as well trying to help as many people as they could, you know, get the cover, whether it be behind the seats or even in the dugout. Yeah, that that's outstanding. And it goes to the nature of these, of these players. It's so easy to just recognize them as great talent and entertainers on the field, but it's even more so when you see them step out of their, that traditional role and do something directly to impact a fan's life and, and safety in this case putting their lives, meaning the fans' lives, above their own. You know, you want to do things to make sure they're doing fine. By the way, let's go ahead and play this bit here from Jace Tingler talking about how he felt about his team. I just can't say how how honored and proud I am to be with the group of players and staff that I get to work with day in, day out. Most people see them as baseball players, and when you get to see them as caring human beings, doing the right thing, loving husbands and sons and fathers, I just, I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah, that was, that was Jason. You can see, you can hear how emotional he was about it, about his own team. I mean, a lot of those pauses, I think, were, he he was it wasn't that he didn't have the words, but I think he was just so emotionally wrapped up to it, and it, and it looked like he was coming to tears as well. You might imagine, you know, seeing being so proud of his team and what they did. And I don't blame him for being emotional. I mean, I know he's our you'd already be attached to your teammates, your players, and your coaching staff already enough as it is, but to go through a situation like that, granted, it could have been much much worse. Thankfully, it wasn't to see how they reacted trying to help people. I don't blame them for being emotional because that shows that, you know, that they really are 
good people. Right. And the good news, like you said, everybody, you know, mostly are safe. People, some people were hurt. Some people were shot. And as I said, as time of this recording, you know, that's all that we know. So God bless all those people. And, you know, and the, the integrity and the strength of, of those players and others, security to do what they did. It's amazing. Well, if we actually look at what was going on, like I said, that was six and a half uh, innings into that. I'm trying to find something here. I mean, all right, what I want to do, I said I want to take a moment here to look at what actually happened in the series. <laughs> did they did they actually have a series? Let's see. What which day was it? Was it it was Saturday? One Saturday. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so let's take a look at what happened. I mean, they actually went ahead and completed their series, the Padres and the Nationals, when playing there at. Uh, so it wound up being three games and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My gosh, Friday, Padres took it to them, twenty-four to eight, and then yeah, that wasn't must not have been a very pretty game. No, if I didn't know better, I would have thought it was a. At Chargers Washington football game, Washington Ooh. football team game. Yeah, yeah, that 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 sounds like a score for that. Then Friday being partial game, ten to four Padres again. But uh, evidently Sunday the Nationals tried to come back and had a win eight to seven. So that's that was interesting. To see how that all played out. Hey, Brandy, we want to take a look here together at the what's going on with the standings. Oh, yeah, sure. So let's start in the AL East, like we usually do, but the Red Sox, they still lead that division a half a game over the Rays. Red Sox have been struggling a little bit. They've gone four and six, of course, coming off of that serious loss to the Yankees, who are now World Series, World Series contenders yet again, according to some people. And the Rays <laughs> have gone eight and two in their last 10 games, only a half a game back. The AL Central, the White Sox have a pretty good lead in that division, eight games ahead of the Indians, who will be the future Guardians coming up, I believe, next year. So that's a pretty cool name. I was looking for the Spatters, man. I was really hoping that Cleveland was going to go with the Spatters, but that's okay. Yeah, that that would have been a cool name, but Guardians sounds really cool. It, it it's does. unique. So, yeah, so so the, the Cleveland Guardians and then – we got what the the Tigers? Yeah, the Tigers are fourteen games back. Twins seventeen. Royals nineteen. Wow. And some people I've heard are actually saying that the Tigers could get really hot here and maybe make a push for a wild card. I don't really buy into that, but hey, they could make a push. They do play a really weak schedule. I'm trying to look, look here too, uh, real quickly. I'm jumping back to. See the, or see who else is in that? Was that the Royals? The, yes, the Royals. Okay, so they played the Orioles. What the? Uh, they played the Orioles Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and the Orioles took them to the. Oh, I won't say took them to the woodshed, but they they beat them the last two games. They took two out of three of the series. Go Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't say Orioles too much. They might get back into the AL East race. Oh, that'd be a bit of work. Yeah. <laughs> so what else we got, brother? In the AL West, 
The Astros still lead that division, 56-38, three and a half ahead of the A's, six ahead of the Mariners, nine ahead of the Angels, and 20 and a half ahead of the Rangers. You know what's interesting, too, in the AL West, four of the teams are above 500. Angels are just barely there, 46 wins, 46 losses. But that's, uh, and I know looking back at the White Sox, talking about just a moment ago with AL Central, White Sox, a lot of people are looking for something big with them. They've got uh, the 609 percentage. Wow. Anyway. And the White Sox are doing that with injuries, and I believe they haven't lost a series since the beginning of July, and that was actually against the Tigers. So wow. they seem to be getting, going pretty good. All right, since we are now done with the AL, we'll now head back east to the National League. The Mets lead the East two games ahead of the Phillies, four ahead of the Braves, coming off a series loss to the Rays, but that was a pretty good series to watch outside of Saturday if you're a Rays fan. (laughs) Washington is six games back, and the Marlins nine and a half back. You know what's what's interesting, I mean, we hold the Mets with such high praise, and Steve Cohen put some money to those that team. Curious to see what, what, if any, other changes might happen there. But let's see. Since Friday, July 9th, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is that right? Seven games. And So that was Pirates and the Mets playing seven games. They played four at uh, the Mets and three at the Pirates. And the Pirates took how many of those? Let's see. One, two, I'm a slow counter. <laughs> Three, four, no, four, was it four? Four out, out of seven, yeah. Wow, so four out of six, man. Now, that's a little scary. I mean, the Mets being up so high and parts really kind of suffering. Uh, yeah, but what, the Mets... No, I'll say we'll talk about the Pirates later because there were some interesting things that happened with them this weekend, too. And the Mets, they had a bit of a rough weekend, too, because, I mean, they lost Lindor to an injury. And now DeGrom is going back on the I.L. with the forearm tightness. So who knows what that can do to them? Yeah, it could be some ugliness. It could be. But now that we are done with the East, we'll head back to the Central. I'm going to hit you one more thing with the East. The the Braves. Now, you know, when we're looking at them, let's see, they did make one trade, right? They are brought one guy on. They brought on Jock Peterson from the Cubs. Oh, yeah, he had a field day this weekend. Yeah, you know, the first day they brought him in up against the Rays, and they brought him into the last inning up to bat. It didn't, didn't matter. The, the Rays won that one, but... The next day, he was very much a contributor. He and Mr. Freeman, my gosh, I always enjoy watching them guys. I don't like them beating the Braves, but I love watching the Braves. Uh, I'm sorry I digress, but that was I did want to mention that. We'll do more talking about the, the changes with some of the traits on the next show. Yeah, and so now, now that I've bumped into your time frame, again, let's move on to NL Central. <laughs> no, no, don't worry about that. In the Central, the Brew Crew, they lead that division seven games ahead of the Reds, nine ahead of the Cubs and Cardinals, who are tied for third. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates, despite having the hot weekend against the the Mets, are still 19 games back. So that wasn't enough to close in on the division lead. Yeah. 
And lastly, to close out the rundown, in the NL West, the Giants still lead the West one game ahead of the Dodgers, five ahead of the Padres, 18 ahead of the Rockies, and an astounding 32.5 ahead of the Diamondbacks. Yeah, so man, I, I th- are the Diamondbacks, I think they're struggling more than anybody. Yeah, there there are people saying that they could challenge for the worst record in the history of baseball, which that says something. And it's pretty bad where if the division leader can lose all their games in a month and you can win all your games in a month and still be a half a game out of first Ouch. Even, or more. Well, that's a tough, tough, tough rundown, brother, about what's happening in the standings. So let's, uh, let's uh, move on. Maybe we'll come back to the Pirates in a bit here. Okay. One thing I want to interrupt here a bit with, too, and this is much broader. It's Well, it's a couple of things. One, we had the All-Star game last week. And interestingly enough, in the wisdom of, I guess, uh, ESPN or MLB and advertisers everywhere, they wanted to make sure we had a baseball game almost immediately after the All-Star game. And then for those of you who may have remembered with the All-Star game is actually supposed to be about giving people a break, giving them a rest. How about one day? So you play the All-Star game on Tuesday and Thursday. You get to play the Yankees. So you get one, two, three, four Boston Red Sox in the All-Star game, and they're going to have to play with one day break between that and the All-Star game. But uh, they, they complained a little bit about it. It really wasn't an issue that one day because, bam, COVID came in and kicked it. Yeah, that that's not really the way you want to want to lose a game to COVID. You'd rather it be like weather or something, but I'm sure they they would take that day off, but they ended up getting it anyways. Yeah, and you know, so it was wound up being the Yankees and the Yankees had like six different people and I think most of them were players who actually had COVID. And remember by mask and make sure you get your vaccination. But the thing that it is about vaccination, too, is remember that a person can still get COVID, you know, after having vaccination. It's just generally the symptoms are not as bad. And so that being my limited understanding. Hey, did you see, was it was it Rich Eisen, right? Yes. He had, uh, he got COVID again. He had vaccination. He'd been, it was out for like about five days. But he was encouraging people still to get vaccination because just like we were saying a second ago, it could have been much worse. That's what the doctors told him. I'm glad him. he'll be back soon. So, Rich, welcome. And Yankees, I hope you guys are on the men. But the COVID only kicked the game out for one day. And the Yankees then continued to play on with the Red Sox. But missing Judge and a couple of other players who did have COVID. Yeah, and... They really didn't skip a beat at all. They looked really good, even though they dropped the first game. They did wind up winning the series, to, the next two games, to take that series against the Red Sox, and that really kicked an overdrive. Will the Yankees be buyers at the deadlines? <laughs> Will they make a push for the World Series this year? Everybody's waiting to see what Cashman's going to do. Is he going to open up a while a little more? Is he going to be pl- replacing people? You know, is John Carlo going to be gone? I don't know. We talked about Jock Peterson earlier being uh, moved for, or what from the Cubs and going on to the Braves. And I was reading something earlier today saying that, who knows, they might move him again. Who know? I don't know. I heard last night 
I believe it was Buster Olney talking about it on Sunday Night Baseball, that if the Yankees decide to be sellers at the deadline, watch for them to possibly move Aaron Judge because he's a free agent after next season. So that was something that caught my eye. And really, do you want to trade for him and take that risk of paying the big contract and, you know, his history with injuries? Yeah, that's that's a good one because the history of injuries, I think, is going to be a, a, a con- major consideration. But while you're talking about moving somebody just before free agency, that's what uh, the Red Sox did with Mookie Betts, right? I mean, he became a Dodger before he became a free agent. Yeah, they, I believe they sort of did like where they traded him and then they had that big contract waiting for him when he, he got to L.A. and <laughs> he ended up signing and winning a World Series with him. Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? Like I said, so all these changes can be made. Who knows where Aaron Judge or anybody else will wind up? We'll try to keep you guys up to date with that as it happens. And one last thing I want to say about the Yankees. Well, no, one last thing. Another thing I want to say about the Yankees is, of course, what happened at that game the other day. And I'm talking about a fan throwing a ball from in the stands at Boston Red Sox outfielder Alex Verdugo. Hit him right in the back. Bam. And the basis of what happened prior to that throw goes something like this. Alex Verdugo as the Boston Red Sox. And when he's there at the Yankee Stadium, he interacts with, with some of the fans. Those who are out there shouting, giving him grief. And he's lightheartedly, you know, making remarks back and forth. And one of the things that he does too, like a, a, like a lot of players, is – he, you know, he shares a ball with with uh, the folks up in the stands. You know, he said Alex Verdugo said while he was uh, out there, he threw one up to try to get it to an area where where a young Red Sox fan was. So as there people are still saying remarks back and forth, as he starts to turn his back, a guy throws a ball, bam, hits him right in the middle of the back. Woof! You know, <laughs> that's. That kind of insanity does not belong anywhere in life, much less in a ball game. And, uh, you know, I, for my first thought is, what the hell happened and what kind of action is going to be taken? I, I saw a video. It was taken in the area, actually right next to the guy that threw it. And the dude was, like, shaking because he was scared that he got caught. And people <laughs> were pointing at him, ratting him out. And security just came in and took him away, and he got he got a pretty big penalty for that too. Well deserved. Yeah, the teeth really sunk in on that. What they give him is see, oh, I'm sorry, you can't come to the next game, and you can't come to the game after that, and after that, and after that. And we're not just talking Yankee Stadium. You are banned from entering any of the 30 Major League Baseball teams stadiums for life. You're gone. Can't come back. That seemed reasonable. I mean, th- think about this. If I was just walked down the street and I had a baseball and there's somebody walking down the street and I took it and I threw it and I threw him and hit him in the back, I think they could probably call and at least charge me with assault. I don't know what would happen with it. But <laughs> I, I don't think that Verdugo is taking legal action. Yeah, I don't think he would or I don't think he is. But, I mean, I've been hit in the back with the baseball before and I'll tell you, it's it's not a very fun experience. No, and... Some say, well, we, we we have other teams where players throw things onto the field or onto the ice or some, this, that, and the other. Why? 
<laughs> Why? The, the, the Cubs, I believe, have a tradition, and believe it or not, I read somewhere supposedly all the way back to Hank Aaron like 50 years ago where he hit a home run and somebody threw it back on the field. And you know what? If that was the start of what they did at the Cubs, is, it, is that based in racism 50 years ago? Was that somebody who was so upset about Hank Aaron coming up and, you know, maybe it was when he was closing in on Bruce Babers' record? I, I don't know. I mean, I would like to think no, but then again, it, it wouldn't shock me if yeah. it was based in racism. Yeah, well, it's 50 years ago. It very well could be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hate to be that guy, but it, it really would not shock me at all. No, no. Especially if it was to Hank Aaron. It wouldn't shock me at all, especially hearing all those stories of what he had to go through and what like security measures they had to do the night that he could that he broke Hank or Babe Ruth's record. Yeah, it, it was just crazy. So I I'll go back to what I say again. Anybody throws anything out there on the field, whether they hit anybody or not, I think they should at least be banned from the stadium for that season. If you intentionally threw something at a, at a player, yeah, I, I think they made the right call. And if Verdugo wanted to, th- you know, do something with it, take it further. He certainly could have. And let's see, I think I got a few remarks from Verdugo we can play here. Obviously, uh, we all seen it. You know, the, a fan threw a ball at me, you know, hit me in my back. Uh, like, yeah, we tell you it was, it was pretty ironic that you said we talked about it earlier in the day as well. You know, I don't, I, I come to expect it when I'm out here. You know, the, the trash talking, the, the bringing up family members, the having everybody chant, um, you know, excuse my language. Verdugo and and all these things I, I'm used to that man. I don't care it, it's that's cool with me but you know the moment uh somebody throws like you know as as players we're throwing balls in the stands to try to give people souvenirs you know try to make little kids days and and things like that and uh you know just to hear people saying throw it back and then someone actually throw it back and felt like it was targeted towards me you know it, it just it don't sit right with me Okay, there, there you go. He says, basically, this isn't right. This isn't the way we do things. I know. Also, Alex Cora said some things, and let's see if we can we can hear what Alex said. This is just a game. It's 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 a game. This is not like life and death. You know, it's not this like drama that people want. And the fact that people come to the ballpark and they decided to throw a baseball to. To one of the players, it, you know, it just, I was in shock that that happened. Once the ball hit Alex Verdugo and Alex Cora said, okay, I'm bringing all my guys off the field. He brought them off the field and umps are saying, you got to get back out there. I said, well, later on, somebody questioned me. said, what, were you concerned about their safety? He says, not really. He says, I was more concerned about getting Alex away from that situation. So for one reason, I, I know Alex. I mean, Alex, of course, speaking of Verdugo, and he's he said, you know, he he didn't say he could be hot headed per se, and a very impassioned <laughs> player. Hopefully, all of the players are passionate. And I could see where if I got hit in the back, turning around and say, okay, who wasn't up there? And I'm coming to get you. Hey, do, do would you would you blame him? I mean, that hurts. No, 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 no. I. Uh, Players have to are subjected to a lot. Um, years ago, I was at a minor league game, 
and a fellow I knew, but he wasn't a friend. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he was in the stands, and every time I'd go in the game, I'd see him over there. He was shouting at the first baseman, always just screaming, shouting, saying things, bad things about his performance, bad things about his family, etc. Well, one game, that player had enough, and he actually climbed up the stands and went after that fan. Yeah. And and it wound up the my my associate, I'm gonna call him a friend, that I knew who who instigated this as far as I was concerned, went ahead and sued the player. Oh. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me try to pick a fight after twenty or thirty games and surprise when this guy jumps comes up and jumps me. Anyway, I digress. Uh the the bottom line is there's no call for a lot of the crap that goes on in these games. The way I look at it is fans that are like that, they're either drunks. Or they're like real-life versions of Twitter's keyboard warriors, to where if they really got near the player, like face-to-face, they wouldn't be, you know, singing the same tune. No, and, you know, like I said, it's, it's just sad. And I, I really hope that, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to put a net all the way around all the way around the stadium? They've already got one up halfway up. I guess maybe they can make it as tight as a steel mosquito mesh but I don't think that's the way to it's go. It's going to be like the NHL where they have glass all the way around. There you go. There you go. And you can get up right and close when, when that uh, – yeah, what do, you, what do you do? Do you actually have <laughs> – once it comes up to uh, to the wall for a ball that's going to go out of the park. I, I, anyway, well, I digress, but it gets, it gets silly. It gets crazy. Hey, fun fact, I believe the Twins actually had no hockey glass in the outfield at one time when they played at the, <laughs> the Metrodome. I believe the Wild played there. Or at the time, the North Stars, I believe, played there. I, I wouldn't count on it, but I believe I have seen that before. Uh, let's see. On a lighter topic, let's talk about that <laughs> Pirates game the other day. And this was very interesting, seeing that one we were talking about the Pirates beating the Mets. And one of the situations where, let's see, the Mets, who is it? Uh, T. Juan, T. Juan, I can't speak his name. Who's the pitcher? Taiwan Walker. Okay, so, so Walker, anyway, he comes up there and he uh, he throws a pitch. And I forget who it was actually hit the ball. It kind of dribbled off from, I guess, off the home plate. And it was looks like it was going along third base line. And Walker comes over there, and I think he kind of brushes it out, trying to make it say, oh, that's a foul. So he brushes the ball out, and it runs over into the dugout. Well, at this point, the ump says, fair ball. And oh, by the way, there are three men on base. <laughs> you got three base runners. And suddenly that third base uh, coach, his arms are waving fast. He is running those people in there. Bam, 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 bam. And Walker and the other Mets can't get to the ball fast enough because they, they he knocked it into the dugout. Oh, gosh. Well, imagine getting three RBIs for a ball that went 15 feet. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That had to hurt. Oh, I mean, gosh. just think about this play. If you haven't seen the video, everything about this is crazy. First of all, the ball was foul. Everybody could see that. And then the dude flips it, which he didn't need to do. And the umpire, I don't know what he was doing, says that it's fair. But I think Walker, you know, maybe should have just, you know, picked the ball up. And worst case, it could have challenged it if he ruled it fair. Just challenge it, and it 
should see clear as day that it was foul. I mean, that's what I saw. We ended up getting three runs out of it. Yeah, and what was the the first inning? They wound up with six runs, and it was six to nothing. It was six to nothing till the third inning. It was six to one. Fourth inning, Mets come back and get three more runs. Then they put on three more over the next, all the way through the ninth. And they, <laughs> but the Pirates don't take another run, and it winds up being the Mets winning seven to six. Crazy game. It was. It's just a wild weekend in baseball. I mean, I just thought the Rays series was crazy, but just looking around the, the baseball world, it it was crazy. Yeah, it was. Do you want to say more about the the Rays series? Yeah that that was both an impressive series, but also an ugly series because I, the pitching wasn't that great. And Saturday, uh, they played a game, and I use that term loosely. Thank God I didn't have to see it. They put me to sleep. And what was impressive about it is, I've said it before, you have to know how to how to win ugly because not every game is going to be pretty. And this whole series was pretty ugly. And they still found out a way to win it. And that's something that is important to know in the steps towards winning a championship. And even though the Rays do have holes, I can cover that more next week on the trade deadline show. They do have more holes, but that is something that, you know, the younger guys like Franco and Walls, well, it will help them learn and benefit them when it comes to the, the bright lights of the postseason. Well, I'm looking forward to see what happens with that, too. And maybe we can talk a bit more about that in our uh, special Raise Up edition in a future episode as well. Well, you know, it's been an ugly week. Uh, I know you were saying something with the Rays and the Braves game. and I'm seeing a little bit more of the small ball out there, too, so that's kind of nice. But, geez, oh, we do have something fun coming up, and that is the Field of Dreams game. That's going to be the Yankees, and they're going to be playing the Chicago White Sox out the middle of a cornfield somewhere in Iowa. Thanks to none other than Mr. Kevin Costner, you know, and that one, and that movie from years ago. So they turned that actually into something the moneymaker. To go to that game, you have to be from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lottery, and I think that they're going to be. Let's see, close. The registration period goes up through July 23rd. So if you're from Iowa, you can do that. And I believe I'm trying to see when they actually. I believe it's like August 13th. Oh. So, yeah, I'm just looking for the, the winners of the lottery be picked at random on August 1st. So, and the game is going to be held on Thursday, August 12th. So, anyway, if you're a dreamer, you know, if you're looking for what baseball was in the cornfields, set aside that date. Should be fun. The Black Sox, the, the Black Sox may emerge yet from the fields. <laughs> Man, the next thing we need is a Sandlot series. Hey, all right, get Hercules out there. We'll be That's on our right. way. You get that that big fence out there. James Earl Jones, just over the fence. Yeah, and he was in both those movies. Yeah. Wasn't he? Great, great stuff. Okay, man. Well, that's been another edition of Baseball Biz. You've been listening to Brandon No Way, who's also at Sports Blitz Pod on Tucker. 
<laughs> you've been listening oh my gosh you've been listening Brandon No Way and he's there at Sports Blitz Pond on Twitter and myself Mark Carr but you can find me at The Baseball Biz also on Twitter or any of all of the baseball podcast directories on podcast.google Apple Podcasts yeah, Stitcher anywhere Tucker anyway, enough of that Tucker, yeah, Tucker, and we're on Tucker. Don't forget Tucker. All <laughs> right, guys. Uh, any other last words, Brandon? Uh, I am not on Tucker. I am on Twitter. Okay, <laughs> glad to hear it, brother. Okay, everybody, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward. Got to get that Sandlot series going.